I am Laura McCowan. And I am Holly Whitaker. And this is Home Podcast. And so we would begin. Hi. Is this your first time recording in San Francisco? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it right now. Oh. Yeah, it's so pretty. Um... It really is. And I have a killer <laughs> fucking view. I can see from South Bay all the way over to almost to the radio tower. Um, I cannot wait. 25 to. stories up. Yes. Yeah, when are you coming, by the way? Because I think I double booked you and Catherine. So that's oh. fine. <laughs> oh, no. She d- that, yeah, she told me, she emailed me about her book and then said she's going to be in San Francisco around the same time. And, and I'm staying like, with me. I hope. And so, so are you. Oh, that's um, all right. I'm only actually there for one night. So what night is it? October fourth. It is the Saturday, whatever that Saturday is of the first weekend. I don't know. I think it's the fourth. Um, awesome. It's okay for double booked. That would be fun. It would be totally fun. Um, Somebody sleeping on an air mattress and two of us are in the bed. I have a feeling she's going to want to sleep on the air mattress because she's yeah. she's a lone sleeper. Um, <laughs> and you and I snuggled. We've slept together before. So it's fun. <laughs> uh, there's very few people that I'm comfortable sharing a bed with. Let's just put it that way. I like. Yeah. I'm usually like, no, but I could sleep with you, even though you're in pain in the fucking ass to sleep with. <laughs> you're know, such everyone. a selfish sleeper. You like, first I'm of all, you do that thing at the beginning where your body jerks. I um, twitch, you know? Oh my God. And then, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then you just slowly creep onto my side. Um, mm. Oh my God. And it's, I'm a, and I'm an oven, but you probably like that part. <laughs> well, that means I get a blanket. Um, Jesus Christ. And yeah, like, no, I've had to like talk like, to you. Do you I, remember? I, like, there's a lot of movement. Oh God. Yeah. No. And I like, and I'm a log. I just sleep on one little side of the you bed. You do. And you don't move. No. Just stay. It's amazing. You're you know. just, you're just like sleeper. dead. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. So. Yeah, what did you do yesterday? Did you pack? I did. I pa- I packed a few boxes. I packed a little bit. I uh, started the process. Mm-hmm. And I also, yeah, I got up real early. I wrote. I, I have Alma this weekend, so it's tricky. So I um, packed a few boxes while her and her friend packed themselves in boxes mm-hmm. and taped themselves into them and then tried to escape. <laughs> That's awesome. It was kind of awesome. And then uh, that's like a panic attack waiting to happen for me. <laughs> right? They loved it. They were, it was two hours of just solid entertainment. It was like and, escape room. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was pretty funny. And then I, you know, I feel like I don't have that much stuff. And then you start on a room and you're like, fuck. Can you imagine those people that actually have stuff? No, like how, like a house full. Yeah, like closets with blankets and stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
No, uh, I have one. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I'm pretty proud of myself. It's September 9th was yesterday was September 9th, and I'm not moving until October, you know, second, and I'm wow. gonna have have a little bit of a head start. So, yeah, so I started doing that, and then yesterday. Uh, evening did a big beach bonfire with some friends, which was so nice. And, and yeah, today is, you know, just like, this is a very, very busy couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm trying extra hard to also like enjoy it because it's September. I love September like weather-wise here and just everything. Oh, it's the best. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's so pretty. and Even over here, and- that certain smell, that day, that first day when you walk outside and it's like, oh, it smells like fall. You know that like yes. even it could even be warm and it starts to sm- have that smell. And, yes. um, and that happens here. But over there, it's just so, I mean, it's, it's so obvious. <laughs> it's like – yeah. Um, it's really every season there. has a really profound smell here. It does. <laughs> like it you does. can smell when winter's coming. You can smell spring and summer. It's the best. Sorry, you said winter's coming, and that's winter's coming. It's like a Game of Thrones thing. I still can't believe you I don't know. watch it. I oh, don't. God. I know. Someone else said that to me the other day because they saw my tattoo. Um, the the raven and it's carrying that message winter is dead and they were like oh my god is that wait and then they, there's always this pause like did, wait should I say this because did you get it wrong did you mean like winter winter's is coming, coming? <laughs> yeah like no it's not Game of Thrones I don't watch it this is a totally different situation <laughs> I just feel like you should give it another try I don't know I will I think maybe this this winter is the time like I'll when I'm up in Vermont for ski weekends I'll maybe dig in or something I don't know it seems like a large endeavor now it's not that but I mean like it's not an endeavor it's not a, like an undertaking like, <laughs> it's, like it's not something you have to do <laughs> everyone says that and I was like, it feels like that. yeah you know that's like saying I don't know like going to the Bahamas is an endeavor <laughs> you know <laughs> winning a million bucks is a a thing a you have project. to do right no it's it's like it's delightful. It's like, I wish I were you. I wish I were. Mm. I, anytime somebody is like, yeah, I'm going to start watching it. I'm just like, oh, can I come over I so I can experience that. it through your virgin eyes? <laughs> First time. I know. I know. I get that. I feel that way about certain shows for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. So, so that's what's up. What about you? You're in an apartment with no furniture. I have a bed with an amazing- and a rug. And um, I have four kitchen chairs, um, which I thought I'd lost the legs to, but I found. Um, yeah, like so we can we can plug companies. Don't use North Star Moving. Anybody, do not use North Star Moving. They lost half of my shit, um, and broke stuff. And it was just like no, 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 no. Um, Let's see. Um, what did I do? I don't know what I've, I've just been working. Like Megan lives here and I mean that's kind of like, you know, that's like the the biggest thing that's happened to me this last week. Like I hung out with friends and that was great. And um, I uh, 
but yeah, I mean, like I've been working my ass off. And so um, you were like, what did you do yesterday? And I'm like, uh, well, I went to a Kundalini yoga class. Um, yeah, teacher. I talked to you and you were going to yoga. So you yes. did that. <laughs> I went to Kundalini yoga and like we did a really great Kriya and I danced with the universe. And um, like literally for the last like 15 minutes of class, he had us dance with our eyes closed. And then he started playing the gong and then he like the instructions were like, dance with the un- like dance with the universe and i just like had this like super hallucinogenic like moment where <laughs> i was imagining the universe was actually like vibing with me and we were like that's so awesome just yeah. reg reg saturday <laughs> reg saturday which really just made me want to go dancing and so mm-hmm. um so i'm going to make that happen and yeah i don't know i mean i worked i was at a coffee shop like at 9 p.m. last night i walked home and um from from working and I walked past this bar next to my apartment and there's so many people inside and there were like girls and dresses coming out and I was like oh my god it's Saturday (laughs) Um, I know I know right (laughs) um but yeah I mean I'm just like I'm you know like it's really unset like I'm a nester so it's a really unsettling thing to be and I mean in an apartment that's mostly boxes and with you know like 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 again, some of my furniture was lost, and then also I just I, I let go of a lot of things, and I don't have. I mean, let's be honest. I live in you know six hundred, seven hundred square foot apartments, so I don't have that much. I know, um, but still, <clears throat> can I just? I just realized this, and I don't know. It's like the most obvious thing, but we're doing the same thing right now. What again? We're both. I I'm surrounded by boxes right now. I know. <laughs> all my all my stuff is is I I have no couch. I have like all my living room furniture is gone because I sold it. I we're like in the same scene, <laughs> just, different, just, different. <laughs> just different ends of it. But it's so it's funny. I mean, it's like um, we both kind of said and in, in probably around May before our workshop in San Francisco and before all those workshops, we did say in one of these episodes um, or maybe it was that we were both wanted to, where we wanted to move and we're yeah. both like now going to be in those places. So that's yeah. really cool. It is cool. You're going to be a Marblehead and I'm in San Francisco. Um, But I just like – I love – like I mean like so – but I love being here. It's just – it's so obviously the right choice. I was – last week I was – Megan and I were working and I like had a – like a – what did I have? I guess I had a dentist appointment or something. I had to go somewhere. Oh, and that's the other – like that's the other best part of it. It's just like this is my town and I know this place. And like I know where everything is. And it's just like – and so I went somewhere, maybe I had a meeting, I can't even remember. And then um, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to, like, I was like, oh, I'm like a block away from Phil. So I went and got like my favorite um, decaf coffee. And mm-hmm. then I was next door to specialties. And so I went and got my favorite huge ass chocolate chip cookie. And I was just <laughs> walking. And then you and I were texting actually in this moment. Because I like, I was meeting somebody that night. Like I was gonna have sex for the first time in 2017 Mm -hmm. it's been like four (laughs) days there and I'm wearing like a you know like a great fucking outfit and eating my like favorite shit and like walking on market and like the fog is rolling in and it's just like I don't know I just Mm -hmm. had that moment of like just pure bliss of like Uh, you know like you know it like when you have those moments of like just like where everything kind of just for a moment is like so fucking perfect and um yeah 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 I love it yeah I'm um I'm really tired this morning so I'm a little like flat but I'm um I feel a little um but my heart's full like it's just 
just, um, yeah, shit's good. Shit is good. And I, and at, you know, and at the same time, like I was talking to my friend last night who lives in Florida and he's been in his girlfriend's parents' house for five days, like waiting (laughs) and, you know, like with his dog and like their entire family. And there's a lot, there's this, I can feel this level of trepidation and anxiety just because it's the storms are starting to roll in today. So by the time this airs, we will have possibly a very different reality in that part of the country. And so it's like holding all these things, you know, at at the same time, I feel like that's what's happening right now. What's what's happening always, but especially right now, I feel like there's um, holding many different things at the same time. Well, that's, I mean, and that's like one of these things. It's like um, there was that post in January when Beyonce was, you know, announced she was having twins and there was mm-hmm. like, you can be appalled about, you know, the state of our government and be happy for Beyonce having twins. Like you yeah. can at the same time, you know, like it's an and situation where your heart can go out to all of the different things and also your heart can still be delighted. And I know I have friends in Florida Um Mm-hmm. And it's um, – but at the same time, like, you know, last week North Korea dropped a hydrogen bomb or detonated a hydrogen bomb, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and also at the same time last week there was, like, the first signs of, like, bipartisanism, like um, Nancy yep. Pelosi and Donald Trump and Chuck Schumer, you know, made love. Mm-hmm. And so there's, like <laughs> – there's just always these – I think it's a very like if you it's one of those things where if you hold on to every single thing and write it um, as if it's the extreme and nothing else exists, it becomes a very hard existence. And so it is it's taking and everything is happening so much faster. Right. Like everything is happening so much faster and 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 all at once. And I think that it's, um, you know, like yesterday like Seva in our class is just my teacher was just saying like the like the best way to protect yourself is to like is to find peace within your own aura, <laughs> which sounds super hippie. Woo woo, um, right? But he may it makes sense. Like it's just like that Pema talk where uh, where she's quoting Shanti Deva, and and it's like you can either wrap leather all over the entire world. Yeah. You know, so that you don't hurt your feet or you can put leather on your own fucking feet. Right. And, um, and I think that's a really important thing to understand is that like taking care of ourselves and our and the, and the part like and our ability to self-soothe and take care of ourselves as things are happening and happening faster is like such an important part of this because we can't control all of the stuff that's happening, but we absolutely can control our experience of it and our, you know, and our connection through it and all of that. So yeah. And it's, it's, you said that really, really, really well. It's like, I still got up yesterday at four thirty, and I wrote, you know, did my work for three hours or whatever. And, um, list read emails from people who are in a big struggle and then turned my attention to packing and, last night watching my daughter just like run around on a beach and yeah. let myself be there. Yeah. You know, yeah. cause the, all that, that too exists. It's, um, it's important. I think we, for me to yeah. remember that all, as much as I possibly can. Yeah. Cause it gets heavy. So, yeah. Well, speaking of super light topics, are you, <laughs> 
Are you ready? Yeah. No, this is good. I think it's time. You know, I feel ready to talk about all this and I've been writing about it a lot for the book. What is it? uh, We're talking about my experience with AA and how that has, you know, what the progression of that has been for the past really four years. You know, I'll be three years sober this month, but it started you know, when I was first started going to meetings and it, and really even before that, you know, I was introduced to AA as a, as a program through my dad when I was like 15. So, uh, yeah. So talking about that and what the deal is, I mean, I get asked all the time, emailed and, you know, I, I don't really go, go there and we'll talk about, you know, why that has been or you know, over the, the course of our show and stuff, why I haven't talked about it certain times. So yeah, that is what we are talking about today. You know, I totally forgot. You also wrote a piece for my site called Tribe Ritual and God Energy, Why AA Works mm-hmm. for Me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you read that? Have you gone back and read that? Oh, yes. I read it last week as I was writing, writing about thing? in my book. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Just to see what I was what I was thinking, what I was up to then. And this is <laughs> and- a- yeah, go ahead. No. Go I say ahead. it's such an important thing because like this was like part of the reason that piece predated our show. I wrote a yep. series on why AA didn't work for me. And and it was just so interesting because like it's just like really goes to kind of credit like I think how like also to like to outline how fast our differences were at the beginning and how we've kind yeah. of moved closer to each other on both sides, on both sides, you know? Yes. Um, yes. But it's just so interesting because I wrote that I was like, I want to write a series on why AA didn't work to, for me, just to be clear and to put it out there because I get asked that all the time. People mm-hmm. assume I, I, people assumed I was in AA. Because you um, were sober. Because I was sober. And, right. um and you encouraged me and you, you know, you like, like you encouraged me in all of my writing and, um, and then you, and then I wanted your perspective in that because AA did work for you and we wanted to show the the differences of, of how, like how similar and how different our experiences were. Um, yeah. and that's, and that was the, like, that was why we really wanted to also like, that was part of our manifesto you for the show. show. Yeah. It was. It was a big. I mean, those were some of our first episodes. We're going through the steps. We stopped at step I know, six. We got we're like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we got through six. I know. And then we were, it was just like, nah. I don't know. Um, maybe it would be interesting to finish those off. But then we got really interested in talking about dating. Um, yeah. <laughs> and other things for two years. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. So let's do this. Like, why don't you start off by just like, I think like, it'd be really great. You wanted to, before we go into this, you really wanted to almost lay off, not a disclaimer, but really just kind of set the, the, we're, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, and really want you to kind of set the stage of, um, yeah. Why you're having this conversation and, and and what you want to almost disclaim and, and make sure because this is like such a polarizing if like they're like the highest percentage of feedback, especially you like you now that you're you've shifted and mm-hmm. there's like there's people like, for instance, that guy that posted and he was like, I thought you knew Laura. 
you know? Oh, oh, this was in response. Okay. It was so to I, a me, a response to a meme. It was meme. a poem. I wrote this little tiny poem, maybe not even a poem. It's more like a, a, a quote. And it's something that you have said before. Um, I, like that maybe there's nothing wrong with you. Um, and the, the thing I posted is maybe there's nothing wrong with you. Maybe there never was. And I sent it, you know, just posted to Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it was August 30th that I posted it. And on my Facebook feed, I got a couple responses and they were from AA people. I know that they're AA people cause I know them saying, no, there actually was something, there is something wrong with me and I can't forget it. And it's like, okay, fine. But then there was this one guy who posted and said, quote, I thought you understood. And I, by the way, I never said anything in my commentary about this quote about addiction, anything. I, I right. let the words just out there. But right? you are an addiction. You're an addiction right. figure. You right. know, you're a public so figure a of- in the addiction space. I know, but I just want to clarify. <laughs> I like, know. That was not part of what I said. So he says, quote, I thought you understood that alcoholism, alcoholism is a disease. Maybe you don't. If I ever forget my issues, I'll die, period. That quote is potentially harmful. My daily acceptance is what keeps me working a program. I know that I have a disease. Prayer and God are helping me stay sober. Your quote sounds nice, but it scares me that it might make someone think the way they shouldn't. Stop. Don't read your response yet. What happens? You send this to me, right? You send this to me and Mm -hmm. we say this is going to start happening a lot more because you are shifting and you haven't actually explicitly talked about this shift. And there are people that have been following you that like that – do you know, like that think there's a set of assumptions, there's a set of assumptions and people know I am not their person. I do not get stuff like this on my public threads anymore. Like people don't assume I understand, you know, like unless they're like new to my site and they just assume I'm an NAA or that I work Mm -hmm. the steps or something. Um, Mm -hmm. but people know this of you. They know that you are, that you are NAA. Yeah. And you still and are. Whole, like, you haven't yeah, actually, I, yeah. I mean, I right, I haven't defected, which is another, <laughs> you know, another, you know, um, something I want to talk about, you know, th- that there's this idea that you're in or you're out. And yes, that's true to some degree. But um, the, his, his assumption is like a lot of other people's that if you are in, of this mind that there's an entire lexicon, lexicon of thought that you subscribe to. Right. right? Like, I thought we were all on the same page here, I thought Laura. we were on the same page. It's a disease. Uh, <laughs> you can't forget it for one second. And you, I, if I, if you are, you know, the, the, the most telling line is, it scares me that it might make someone think the way they shouldn't. And that's, There's oh, God. And that's the, so oh. much in that. There's so much in that. And that is the thing. I talked about this. I reposted this on my feed, right? 
And, yep. um, and I have to like, I really want to bottom line this with like, I'm like this guy, this is his belief system and fine. Like that's his belief system. I don't give a fuck. Like I, it doesn't matter. Like he's allowed his belief system. It's where this start, this, it's the interesting point to me is this turn, you know, I don't even, I personally, I'm on the fence. I don't really give a shit. I, disease to me is honestly just a word. Like I am, I have bold, I have reasons to believe for and against it you know and I am not like writing articles on why and why it isn't a disease I think that there are pros and cons to calling it a disease and that's a very it's a totally other thing but what is so like the pinnacle of it is when he says Laura it scares me with that your truth what that might do for other people and this is the exact type of criticism I ran up against and hardcore at the beginning Mm-hmm. Of my journey. Can I read what the le- the first letter I got uh, that made yeah. me like freak out? Because we had, this is the conversation we had. Okay. So the first time that I ever, so I posted something called, hello, my name is Holly and I'm not an alcoholic in January of 2015. And I posted it on um, my regular feed and then I also posted it on LinkedIn and it went semi-viral. It got like 40,000 reads, you know, with like in a yeah. couple of days. And mm-hmm. it got, and I ended up with hundreds of in-mails on LinkedIn from, from yeah. uh, mostly men who were grateful for this and like, oh mm-hmm. my God about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got this one from this guy and he'd sent me, he's, he's, he like then sent me multiple, um, m- multiple emails over time. Um, but he said, obviously everyone is entitled to their own individual perceptions and opinions about everything. In the context of alcoholism, here's where those published opinions create issues and unintended <laughs> consequences. When an alcoholic is suffering from active alcoholism, they're looking for excuses, loopholes, rationalizations, justifications, anything but giving up their self-medication. Intellectual analysis such as yours are often exactly the loophole they're looking for to let them think I'm not an alcoholic, giving them perceived permission to go and drink and possibly die. The simple facts, not opinions or intellectual analysis, are this. Alcoholism is a disease widely accepted by the medical community. An AA 12 Steps has proven to be, by far, the most widely successful solution to give alcoholics and drug addicts, for that matter, awesome new lives in sobriety, utilizing basic spiritual principles. With all due respect, I cringe when I see programs, businesses like yours, being sold out there, which claim, and by the way, I wasn't selling anything at the time. Right. Yeah. Uh, and this is not. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, this is not. Uh, a <laughs> being sold out there, which claims success outside of the 12 steps. Pay me and I can teach you a non-spiritual, non-AA, non-12 steps way to sobriety or even worse, a claim that alcoholics could be taught to control their drinking. That one is really scary. Yes, I understand you're an entrepreneur trying to get, um, trying to start a business and attract customers. Like that's what he thinks. The reason I wrote this it's piece so is funny. that's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like you're sitting there going, God, I know something that's a total easy win. I'm going to enter this really, you know, <laughs> benign, unemotional space where there's a gap. 
<laughs> I've done my gap analysis and I have seen <laughs> that there's only one offering when it comes to treatment of addiction. And I'm going to create a company about it because it will be such a surefire win. Oh, no problem. Super easy life. Well, I mean, and let's be clear, you and I have met and we know people that are total predators in this space. There are Absolutely. there are so many predators in this space that do, but like, but this was, but like there's, there is, so that, ha- that has to be said. Like, I get it. That's a fair, 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 fair claim. You know, like there are people, Perfect. like if you look at like, like there's that really great documentary, which is, um, oh God, I can't remember the name of it. No, 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 no. It's about the bill. It's about the $35 billion recovery industry. I mean, like there's oh, just so yeah. much like, yeah. And I and I even had a conversation with that guy that worked at that company that I'm not going to name. That one night at the the guy that was yeah. drink this guy that was drinking and runs a so a sobriety company and was yeah. telling me that um, about how much money was to be gained like gained. And um, anyway, so I get it. Yeah, but okay. anyway, um, so yes, I understand you're an entrepreneur trying to start a business and attract customer. Kudos for that. I just wanted you to be aware of the unintended and potentially tra- tragic consequences sometimes caused by published opinions and intellectualizations such as yours. And then he goes on, he sends another thing a couple weeks later. Um, you publish your intellectual analysis opinion about AA 12 steps. And once again, I read it and with all due respect, it makes me cringe. It don't, don't put all due respect in there, bud. Um, the simple fact is that AA 12 steps is the proof, is the proven method of recovery by a huge yeah. statistical margin, period. It very specifically has not been altered in any way since its inception for that reason. It works if you work it and it is a spiritual solution for a very spiritual problem. Simple. A reminder, again, that an AA newcomer whose intellect and ego and willpower are just looking for an illusory loophole like this intellectualized opinion could read this. It could be all, all the nudge that they need to go out, drink drug, and die, and die is in caps. Jesus Christ. And so, I mean, in this ways, this is the first, and this was, I read, you know, probably hundreds of comments and letters from this, and this was the one that I, like, this is the one I'll never forget, because it was yeah. exactly the one that was, that was intended to terrify me to not, to not give Shut another up. opinion. And, right, and that's the thing that people, that's the warning thing, is that these people can't think for themselves, and don't give people the opinion, like, they're, like, like, honestly, what I think of is, like, don't give these people the ability, like, to actually use their own mind in this. They don't know what's right for them or what's wrong for them, which is the seed of how many abuses within the recovery industry. Like, the, like, the, like, it's just, to me, it's this thing that, like, I get it. There is a, there's a deconstruction of the ability to choose. Like, there is that. That's part of it. In in somebody that is addicted to chemical and behavioral, like, process process addictions. Like, somebody far down, especially in chemical addiction. Because it wipes out, it wipes out the prefrontal cortex. And so you you do end up with, unbelievably, or believably, a diminished capacity of uh, willpower and, and, like, rational choice. Right. And so there is that. But that, but that also just like then takes it to like to to imply that everybody anywhere ever who has any sort of problem with an addictive substance is not to it's be forever. is not to think for themselves like ever you, like not ever just when they're in the sickness but you know when they're suffering like when it's an acute you know um, in an acute phase or whatever. But never, you are, you should never, they, they will never be able to think. No. Like, no. For themselves. 
And this is, you know, yeah. And extends to the like mental health care industry too. It extends like all across the board. Anytime there's anything like a neurological or like a mind or or a psychological or whatever, it's always that person can't think for themselves or make choices for themselves, you know, and and which leads to horror upon horror upon horror. So anyway, so I, but this paralyzed me because this was the first thing. And all I'm thinking about is how many people I'm going to kill. And I kept talking, I kept talking, but this is this, this is the thing that like hit me in the gut, which was because you, Laura, are, are, are telling somebody there's nothing wrong with them. You're basically giving them a one way ticket, you know, to like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's just, it goes on and on and on. And it's like, um, Oh, there's so many things. Okay, yeah, so I let's, know. So let's then, enter what's the conversation. Your, right? So talk about like read your response to him, and then and then let's yeah, then let's start this conversation that's already been going on for an hour. <laughs> I know. So my response to to this was, um, you know, basically the bottom line of of all of this that I believe. Okay, I trust that people can interpret anything I say on their own. Maybe nothing is actually wrong with any of us, even a disease. Maybe what we think is wrong is actually what's perfect about us for our path, for our growth. I don't think that addiction is something that was wrong with me. I think of it as a gift, and I don't need to hold it in a negative light or in fear to remember that I never want to go back there again or to keep me, quote unquote, in my place. To me, that message is diminishing, but to each their own. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So. I already want to go take a nap. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. Okay. So why don't why don't you preface this? Like, let's talk. Like, why don't you just kind of preface this about what you like based on that before we get into this conversation? Because you had. Yeah, I have. I have some big hesitations. I've had hesitations. Yeah. Part of this is I have been on my own private individual journey, right? And. There's times when it's helpful to talk about that and there's times when it's not. And for me, talking about I, I said this in our last episode that I I am very hyper aware of the fact that talking about AA um, is a delicate thing uh, in that I don't this is this is period. It it is not um a at a rebuttal or like a criticism on the the program of AA. That's not what this is. This is my um, commentary on the process that I have been through, both being someone who deeply, deeply benefited from the people and the program of AA and credit a lot of credit my sobriety to it, my early sobriety. Absolutely. And have major have had resistance to it that I didn't have the words for, for a long time and have over time found the words for and understand that within myself as a result of being three years sober and all that comes along with that, you know? And so I want to, I want to say, first of all, if AA is your thing and you love it and it's working for you, that's amazing. Like Augustine bro said, why do you even don't question it? You know? Okay, good. And I feel that way. And if the, the thing that uh, the reason I'm having this conversation is, uh, 
I, I heard John O'Donohue, you did an interview with Krista Tippett. Right, uh, on, I know. And I heard him say, and this is <clears throat> sums it up perfectly for me. He said, for somebody that wants to have a mature, adult, open-ended, good-hearted, critical faith, and this is a faith, and I'll explain what I mean by that, you have to conduct the most vigorous and relentless conversation that you can have with your own tradition. And for me, anything I believe, any assumption I've made, I want to question and I will question. And for a lot of reasons, AA has been this like very protected and holy program that is not to be questioned um, and that receives, when, when it is questioned, receives messages like we just read. And that, that is inherently very troublesome to me. Okay. So can I, so, I, I can I jump in? I, there's just one thing I want to point out because this is something that you said this isn't, you said this isn't a criticism of AA. Why can't this be a criticism of AA? Okay. That's the no, thing. No, it, Hold on. It's not, yeah. There's this, there, here, there is how many different programs are out there, right? There's smart recovery, refuge recovery. There is rational recovery. There's AA. Um, there's integral recovery. Um, yeah. Why, why do we, like all of those are other valid treatment options and all of those we can, we can, they, I don't take any program. There's no program, including my own work, right? Including the thing that I've come up with and put together and the thing that like Tommy Rosen has come up and put together. There's no thing I've actually run into that I'm like, this is flawless. This (laughs) is perfect. Everything has this element of, of imperfection and is like, and I'm happy to criticize anything and also receive criticism for a program I've put together. So I wonder like why we can't like, that's an interesting thing. You said this isn't a criticism. Why can't this be a fucking criticism? Why can't we criticize parts of it without also without like actually, I think like doing the thing where it's like criticizing someone's like, what, what is that? Yeah, I guess no, it's true. It's it's uh absolutely. This is in large part a criticism. Uh it is a criticism. And I guess what I want to say is I I just am, I'm going to assume that people can take this for you know with their own, for they can take it for what they want to take it for and I'm not um I'm scared to to threaten something that for people is um, at, at certain times can be really delicate because what that guy said, like people are looking for loopholes. I was looking for loopholes, you know, I was definitely, and we'll talk about that. Like I was looking for loopholes um, in my, you know, some of my resistance to AA initially was my resistance to sobriety period. Um, But when it comes down to it, you know, if people are going to want to do that, they can take this however they want, you know, and I do believe that we all are grownups and we can like hold paradoxes and um, competing ideas and competing truths in our mind without, it's not my responsibility, basically, like that's going to happen if it's going to happen. If people want to take my words and use it 
as, as permission, an excuse, right? As permission or whatever, they're going to do that, just like I chose to do it, you know? Right. And um, I think like there's something really important about that to understand is that whenever anybody is actually like confronting it in any sort of way, like there's also this like other side of this where, you know, there are not people that are in a thousand percent denial listening to a podcast like this or reading your work or following your page. Right. That's right. There's some sort of, of, of knowing within that and, and they're there listening and reading and looking. And I think that, yeah, there's a lot of people, I, like self-included, that look for right third doors, right? That look for the other mm-hmm. way. And this is not just with drinking. This is not just with drugs. This is with everything. This is like with a guy that gets a, you know, a bypass and is trying to figure out a way to keep like French fries in his life or something like that, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, like, you're going to look for whatever proof you want to confirm, you the know. The things you want to do, right. And the things, and right. to avoid the things you don't want to do. And so right. like that's nothing that can be influenced from outside, that is entirely internal. That is entirely 1,000% internal. And that is nothing, no matter what I am saying or you are saying, that can affect actually the what what is personal will, right? Right. That's right. Our will ends where someone else's begins. That mm-hmm. is like the number one thing to remember in all of this stuff. And so I think it's just – anyway. Okay. Yeah. So that's the big disclaimer, and and yeah, I and it's be it's gotten to a point now where it's like I'm ready to talk about it, and I'm and I'm going to talk about it because I think I needed to hear I needed to hear what I'm saying. I really did. Yeah. Um. Okay. My first question is: How did you come into the program? I came in so. I, the first meeting I went to, uh, was in July of 2013 and it was right after my brother's wedding, which was, I've talked about on the show um, before and I've written about it a little bit, but it was after I had, you know, really sort of my first bottom incident with my daughter at my brother's wedding. And I was shocked and scared enough, um, to, I knew I, I I was too scared to do nothing, you know, different. So I knew about AA because I, my dad had done it for 10 years or so when I was younger and my friend Jenny, I basically, everyone I knew who was sober did AA. And so I kind of knew that's the thing you do, you know, when you want to stop drinking. And so I found a meeting in Boston and I went on my lunch hour and it was a really, really small meeting. Um, it was like maybe eight women and all of them were older than me. And we went, I sat around a big round table and we read from the big book and then we all shared. And I, it was, I mean, I was so out of my mind then that there was, there was this mix of like being relieved to like, um, here, you know, just to be talking about this thing that's been an elephant in my life for however long and like, okay, I'm showing up and I'm actually doing something. And right alongside that, there's this like fucking reality, this terrifying reality that, oh my God, I'm doing it. And maybe I can't go back now. Like this is something it's a, it's a big thing. And, and also hearing, you know, I, I mean, the reality was I didn't want to be in that room right. I, at all. 
I was looking at these women and trying to see if any of them were like me, you know, meaning they were younger, you know, professional, had wanted the same things I wanted, you know, maybe single, had kids, you know, and there were, I, I was looking for all kinds of confirmation like that, oh, whatever, you know, this person is, I, I want that life. I want that life. I want to be like she is, you know, or, or I can see some hope in, in them. And, and I honestly couldn't, but I, my perception was also really off. I just kind of went with it, you know, it's like, okay, this is what we're doing next. And you just, it's so overwhelming because it's such a strange thing. You know, there's a whole order to meetings and, you don't, as a new person, you have no idea what the fuck's going on. And there's like a language that people use. And on one hand, it was comforting or, you know, it was a little bit of a relief to just be there for an hour. Yeah. And, but it was largely very intimidating and uh, not, not what I wanted. You know, that was not what I want. I remember this really bizarre feeling. I was walking there. I was like, I just kept thinking my friend Jenny's words were in my head. She just said, just get your ass in the chair. Just, just get there. Just force yourself to go. She'd been telling me to go for like two years. Just force yourself to sit down. So I was like listening to the Avett brothers. It was this beautiful, really hot summer day walking through Boston common. It was like on the opposite side of the park from my office. And I remember looking at my legs and like they were tan and I had this really cute dress on, but I was a mess, like a physical mess. I made her withdrawals. I was, I was struggling and I'm watching all these people have lunch. You know, it's like lunchtime in the city, watching all these people have lunch and like this sort of the, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm in this private world, right. Where I'm going to this room to do this very serious thing (laughs) while the rest (laughs) of the world is like, is like just having a, a lunch. Yeah. And I was I was listening to music and it was it's like this very it's so um it what what occurred to me in that moment was like this is so precious. Like I could I felt like if I just even took one step wrong I would just decide not to go. You know? Yeah. It's this very thin thin um th- this thin ground that I was walking on. I don't know how to how to describe it exactly, but so yeah, and then I'm sitting there and it's like, oh, you're here, you know, this alternate reality, you're fucking here. And I remember leaving there and just thinking, I have no idea what to make of that. I have to go back to my life now. And all I could think about was like, I want, it was just, okay, so I guess I do that tomorrow again. Maybe yeah. I've done it enough for the rest of the month. Like yeah. what? It's so, <laughs> so out of body. Yeah, you know? it is. Um, yeah, it's so out of body. And I'll never forget there was this old woman in there. Um, you know, once she spoke, she said she had like 30 something mind blowing years of sobriety. And she <laughs> but she it was clear that this is a meeting she went to often. You know, she was very comfortable there. She walked in, she opened her bag. She had like a bag of apples, slices and a thing of peanut butter and a thing of raisins. She, she took the apples and she dunked him in the peanut butter, then dunked him in the raisin, just popped him in her mouth. Like this is the thing she does. She yeah. goes to the, yeah. she goes to the meeting and she has a snack and she talks. <laughs> 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 and I was just watching her like, wow. 
you know, wow, I don't, it's, it was so, it was like going to a different planet. (laughs) Right. And also I think one of the things that's so like from that point of view, it's so shocking about that is like that she, this is a normal part of her existence. There's, there's not a, there's not that layer of like, um, whatever it is. Strangest (laughs) place I could possibly be. Right. Right. And your mind just can't, I could my, I could not wrap my brain. You can't, I could not wrap my brain around any of it, you know, yeah. but, and yet I had like read through the big, big book when I was, you know, when I, my dad had it laying around and I was a curious kid and I was a reader and I read through the big book. So it wasn't like, I knew what the steps were. I it wasn't all foreign to me, but it was like, oh, now this applies to my life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that there's that crashing in between, like there, like like anything. There's just that moment where, like, because I, I, you know, I went to meetings early on as well, and um, not not very, you know, but enough. Um, and I had this sense of there's a sense about it of um, it's almost like there's space in between. Your body is there, but there's some huge distance between, like, the awareness that you're there. Yes. It is right. yes, right. <laughs> and what good, that a good means word is crashing. It's yeah, like the crash happens, but you're there's this. Mary Carr always says it best. Like there's this really profound dislocation. Yes, and because it's all like it's all happening at once, and there's no more. There's no like. I there's no firmer reality than when you're sitting in a room like that with other people, yeah. and um, yeah. And that's why I, I honestly, it's why I suggest everyone try a meeting because totally. I think that there's, regardless if it's what you're going to work, at least you have that experience to actually, like, it's not just this thing that's kind of happening out there. It's grounded in an experience. If you're sitting in a room. Mm-hmm. You put your physical body in a room right. with other people who are doing, doing the it. thing you're doing. Yeah. It's yeah. very, it's, it's real. Yeah. Yeah, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's out of body. And that, I would say my first 10 meetings were like that. It yeah. was like this sort of, okay. Only 10? You feel like it just became normal after 10? Oh, no, it didn't become uh-huh. normal or I didn't accept it or like, I wasn't like psyched about it. But it was like, it was an extreme sense of visiting another planet for like 10 meetings. And to be fair, I went to like one meeting a week or one every two weeks for the first few months. Like I, it was almost like I like putting my foot in a fire. Yeah. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't take it all in. And I pretty quickly drank after that first meeting, like maybe that night or, you know, the next night. Um, it was like, I just, it was too blunt for me. Yeah. Um, that's why, you know, if people can, that's why, I mean, I look back and it's kind of amazing. I, you know, treatment can be a really fucking good thing yeah. because my, the reality of my life and my job and the way I'd been living and everything was so firmly rooted in a drinking, in drinking right. that you know, to do, to pull myself out of that on my own, it was impossible for me. Yeah. 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 I agree. Well, I think, I think for anybody doing it on their own is impossible. I think everybody needs a support system. Um, 
Okay. So you, what, so you, that's when you first came into the program. Like explain to me when you, when you started to feel like you, I guess like there's a couple ways you could put it. Like when you first started working it and mm-hmm. or, and actually being present for it, when you actually started buying into it, like when what was the moment actually where you were like, this is my place and this is the thing that I can't live without? Because when you and I first met, you had to go – you were like going to pizza with these people. Mm-hmm. And so I want to know what was the flip like when it became like your 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 way, your, yeah, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, there was no singular flip. It was definitely more of a wearing down of my <laughs> own, <laughs> um, of my, of uh, just f- falling over and over again. And it looked like this, okay? I would go to a meeting and then I would just be like, okay, that's cool. I, you know, I'm going to, I've absorbed a little bit. I'm going to go just like continue to live my life. I had a really crazy, busy, busy job and I was newly separated and had a four-year-old daughter, five-year-old daughter, no four. And I, you know, my life was big. It was hard. It was stressful. So I would just be like, okay, I've got my dose, right? I know what I'm supposed to do. Now I'll just do it on my own. I'll just like go. And and I would say, you know, I'm going to go to another meeting. Like, and if, I'll go to that same meeting the following week, whatever. And then I would drink and sometimes nothing would happen. Um, but once I had gone into a meeting and I, uh, you know, you, I couldn't unknow that I had been in that meeting and that that's, yeah. you know, it was like, I couldn't unknow that this, like it, my I knew I was fucked. Yeah. So the drinking was different. Yeah. From really my brother's wedding on, it was never the same. Right. And so I was drinking with that knowledge. And then I would, um, so I would go to another meeting. And what I went, you know, like a couple months after that first one, I went on a business trip to London and I drank through it. And I got back and I, actually got like a big warning at work because someone had complained about me in, in the London office. And I was like, this was, it was a pretty new job and I was pretty high up. This is like a really big fucking deal right. <laughs> for me to get complained about. And I remember sitting there with my boss and he was like, I hate telling you this because I think you're awesome, but I have to tell you this is what someone said and like, what's going on? And I would just be like, but I'm going to meetings, but I'm, but, but I'm like, you know, I had this, like on one hand, I knew I was starting this process. On the other hand, there's, there's this reality that I'm, but I was still drinking and that it like was, I had serious consequences and like, oh my God, I can't lose this job. And, um, and so that actual, the day like that I had that conversation with my boss, I, decided I would go to this meeting right after work and I was walking there and I was thinking because I had heard like my friend Jenny was like you have to get a sponsor like just get you have to introduce yourself to someone at that point I hadn't met anybody yet I knew nobody so I went how long have you been going like a couple months okay 
I would. And nobody came up to you afterwards and said. Oh, yeah. No, they okay. did. They, they did. Lots of people, even after that first meeting. But I just could. I wasn't open to it. You know, I, I had numbers given to me. I had people that were willing to talk to me. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, no, <laughs> I can't. Right. You didn't have but uh, you didn't have anybody saying you need to get a sponsor. I've seen you coming in. Like, when are you going to take it seriously? No, because I never went to the same meetings. Okay, okay, okay. And I and to be fair, in that couple of month period, I met, I went to maybe three. You know. Oh. And okay. Yeah, it wasn't like I was. I was really, really, really resistant, and okay. I would listen to a podcast of a meeting instead. You know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would just do some. I would try some other more passive way to do it without right. doing it. But I think it's important to also note you were still doing it. You know what I mean? Like, I think this is, like, one of the things, like, that um, people, like, I was doing as much as I could. That's right. That's right. Okay. I was doing as much as I could. So you went to a meeting right after you have this conversation. What happens? So I go to a meeting. I'm like, I'm going to get a sponsor today. I'm going (laughs) to. You know, and this is my – this is the good side of my, like, (laughs) my sort of childish – optimism. It's not or, childish, but it's, I, it's, I get it. It's like the same reason you're able to leave your job and think that you're going to make, you know, that's right. Right. It's like, I, I'm going to make optimism. It's just today. optimism. It's just right. optimism. I'm like, I'm going to make this happen today. And I, I knew that I would like, I had this, I just knew that I would go and f- t- find somebody, you know? Yeah. So, because like you, I also had little you know, things here and there that had happened, not little, they were very profound that I, I, I knew I was being held in some way. Like I just knew that, you know? And so I carried that into this meeting and I sat there. It was like a really big meeting in Boston. It's the biggest one. It's on a Thursday night and it's huge. It's like over a hundred people. And that was the first. So, so this woman stands up, um, at the beginning, you know, there's all these like, uh, these, routines that they do at the beginning of a meeting and and they go through all these processes and one of them was to have this woman's you know the, there's a woman liaison and a, and a male liaison and they each stand up and say like if you are if you're new or you have questions or you want someone to talk to come up to this person at the end of the meeting and the woman that stood up like she used someone that looked like me she was around my age she was very pretty she was uh you know like I was like oh I could maybe I could be for, be, maybe she's it. Maybe. You know? <laughs> and, um, and I was like, I'm going to talk to her afterwards. And there was also in that meeting, some, a speaker who was the first speaker that I heard talk that I really had this like profound experience while I was listening to him. And ironically, he's from my town up here in the North shore. He had, he was on a commitment, which means that he was coming from his group to visit this group to do like he, he wasn't a regular person at this meeting. He was there to speak on a commitment. And I, was like, it moved me. It was the first, he, he talked about his anxiety at 3am and he just said certain things that were like, described my experience exactly. And that is everything when you're in that plate, you know, when you're in that spot, it was everything. So I had that happen. And then I walked up, I forced myself to walk up to this woman after the meeting and she became my first sponsor. And so she was my inroad to actually meeting people. 
that. And she was like me, a lot like me. And she had a life similar to me and she quit drinking under the same circumstances as me. And she had been married and divorced and she loved music and she, you know, like she, I, I identified with her and I, she's someone I would actually want to be friends with, you know, and we did become friends and she became, so I had, now I had an anchor, right? I had Mm -hmm. a person right? and we would text and she was funny and we would, she like talk to me about, you know, how she did it and stuff like that. So I had an anchor, I had a person and that was huge. That was really everything. And and it kept me from drinking for a couple weeks, which was more than I'd ever gone before. Um, and she very simply, you know, just like told me what her meeting schedule was. And I met up with her a couple times and we had dinner when I, I had my first like sober dinner with another person yeah. <laughs> who was sober. Yeah. And I shook through the whole thing and I was steeped in like grief about not being able to order a drink, but I just did it, you know, obviously like there was no other choice. And I went through that first dinner, you know, with her and cried and stumbled and shook because I, all I did was shake then. And so I had a, I had a connection. You were like a chihuahua. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, totally was. I was like, what's happening? What's, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you just have someone sitting there. She, you know, she didn't have a ton of sobriety, but she had a hell of a lot more than I did. And she yeah. just was like, yeah, you know, she just talked to me. And she invited me to um, a meeting that ended up being kind of one of the regular ones that I went to and introduced me to a whole group of women. Yeah. So redirect here. This is how how just give me a timestamp. How far away is this from the day you stopped drinking for so, good? Oh, it's a full year before. Yeah. Okay. And year. what resistance are you feeling at this point to the program? You're not. You're still not bought in. You have a sponsor. Right? Yeah. But, you're, I, but tell me about how you're actually when you're sitting in those meetings and you're reading. You know, you're not working the steps. You're reading from the big book. What are your thoughts? Are you like this is bullshit? Or are you like this makes complete and total sense? Like, there's something wrong with me. Yeah, there's neither of those two sides. There was a little bit of both. It was when I heard people speak, I could say yes. Like, I was, like, nodding, like, yes, 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 right? And But then when I would – when we do readings or I'd hear some certain phrase, especially ones about character defects, and there's a specific thing that I'll say – I'll talk about in a minute that I rejected – I would be like, no. And it, and it was, so a lot of my rejection initially was like, I didn't want to be sober yet. I wanted to want it. I wanted to like feel the way that these people felt or seemed to feel, but I didn't want to stop drinking yet. I didn't want to, I, I had like, I would put a toe in or I would put my foot in, but I couldn't, I didn't, I wasn't ready to actually give up drinking. So and did you feel the- this like, but also did you kind of feel like this is something that was very, that was very palpable for me. And I think it's also because, I mean, I, when I, I, I had read a lot before I went into, I, I had read books, many books before I went into a meeting and, yeah. um, and so for me, I was sitting around in those times and just, and, and feeling, um, like incredibly. And I think this is why people approached me so much too, is because there was just this like, you know, kind of like, like complete and total rejection of some of the stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, 
were you when people would like when people would say things were you like that's not true like you know what I mean were you like sitting around mm-hmm. and like critical to that extent of like every word that was being spoken or yeah yes S- sort of I uh, I Holly I don't even like I know it's hard to remember but I just want to press no, on this because I want to see remember it's more this is how I felt in, when I walked into a meeting I felt like I did when I was in junior high. Like I felt so um in, so like insecure. That's the word. I was so insecure and so I I it took everything that I had just to sit there and not run out because I I was like it was like extreme social anxiety, right? Like people would, and the meeting would end and I didn't know what to do with my body. It's like, oh my God, I can't, I, I, I have forgotten how to talk to people. Mm-hmm. I can't even have people look at me. Mm-hmm. And, and yet I'm living this life where I'm literally leading like meetings on multi-million dollar budgets during the day. I have, I'm managing a team of people. I'm in charge of another person as a mother. And then I walk into these rooms and I'm like, I'm a fucking 13 year old. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to, it's, it's, I didn't, it's like I almost, it didn't, I I knew that it kind of didn't matter in, on some degree, or it's not that I knew it didn't matter. I just, I, I was only able to absorb so much. Or even question it so much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I mean, it wasn't – your first concern wasn't making sure that what they were saying you agreed with. That wasn't what was like first – like the front of your mind, right? And that was – that's a big difference I think between our experiences because I was – I had the wherewithal at that time, right? Because Mm -hmm. I wasn't focused on not wanting to be there. I wasn't like upset about being there. I was relieved – to be there. It was like, you know those days where those magic magic nights somehow where you wouldn't drink on a Friday night? Yeah, those like, seriously magic nights. Right. And then you'd wake up on Saturday and you'd not be hungover and there was that like there was this like cleanliness to it, this feeling mm-hmm. of like do you know what I'm saying? Do you understand I what do. I'm saying? I do, but and my that was no. I let me finish. What I'm yeah. saying is, for me, going to a meeting was like taking a shower. It was like such a. It was so like what I had always wanted on some level to like have that stand that state of like um, integration. And so it was. I was not sitting there like thinking like you know what I mean I was not sitting there rejecting my place in there I was sitting there rejecting what What they they were saying saying. yeah that's really well put I was I was rejecting my place in there and sometimes rejecting what they were saying but I also so I would feel that like way I would feel waves of relief right because I would hear things that were true I think about when you hear people telling the truth even if you don't agree with their truth there's something that feels very uh there's something very it's like that you just your body knows it yeah and I hadn't been telling the truth or around people telling the truth for so long that yeah it was really cathartic and necessary. 
And so I would feel that relief, but right alongside the relief was this, oh my God, but what do I do next? Like, how, how do I keep this? So I would have it and I would leave and 15 minutes later it would be gone and it would be supplanted with this fucking extreme deep urge to drink or to just, I didn't know how to hang on to it. Right. Yeah. All right, so let's move into um, what, um, like, what shifted, right? Because when you and I first met, you were not, um, you weren't sober, one hundred percent. You hadn't, you, you were, you mm-hmm. had plenty, you had strung together enough days, right? You, you mm-hmm. had, you know, definitely, you were on the other side of the fence, right? But um, you were also like, so I think like, here's where I, these are like, I want to kind of come back to because there's some transition there between where you're at, what you're talking about now. And when you and I first met, which wasn't that long of a period of time, it was less than a year, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You and I, our first conversation, we've talked about this a couple of different times. So you remember when I said, um, you still want to drink? And (laughs) (laughs) you're like, wait. What? I think I had drank the night before. I was really I was really upset. I was sad. And you were like Because I didn't know people that were again, like just to come back to it, I didn't know people who were talking you were talking about it online. We were you know what I mean? Like and I didn't know anybody I did it didn't occur to me that you could be talking about it online and still as if, you know what I mean? Like, and still be wanting to drink and still be yeah, in it and right. struggling. And also you were not explicit with the fact that you were still struggling with it. You didn't talk about it that way. Right. Um, right. But what I remember, so that's the part you remember. The part that I remember is that you, we talked about whether or not like you were an addict or an alcoholic and you mm. were definitely, you knew you were an alcoholic mm. and I think like for me, the thing that I remember the most is that I was, I found it oppressive and you mm-hmm. have, this is like kind of a time and again, the thing that I found to be the most fantastic of your, of your, of, of your, um, of your qualities. I don't, that's a stupid way of saying it. One of the things yeah. I'm always impressed by in you is that you are able to, and I don't know if it's just because you, you, you are aren't telling the truth. I don't know if it's because you are um because it's because you're not like it's you're not attached like you're not um connected to what it means or like mm-hmm. I have never been able to figure it out, but there's some things that you're kind of like a puppy dog about. Like it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. like whatever. You know, like you mm-hmm. just there's this like it's something that I admire because there's no resistance to certain things. It's just yeah. I do you know what I'm saying to you? Yeah, I do. I do. So when I, I said do. to you you're like you call yourself an alcoholic or we had some conversation about that, you were like that's not a problem for me. And mm-hmm. um like and you weren't and also here's the other part of this, you weren't offended by the fact that I didn't think I was one. Right. Yeah. I don't know how I wasn't. I I just, but I really wasn't. I think, I think I was far. So that we, we met like a year, basically a year after I had started this, I was a year into trying, I hate even saying trying to get sober, but I was, I was a year into doing it, you know, whatever this path was. We met in July of 2014 and I had started in July of 2013 so I had gone back and forth with like battling this. I didn't really, I, I didn't resist. Like I knew I had a 
thing with alcohol. I knew I did. I didn't really know what that meant. And I think for me, I was just so tired at that point where it was like, I have to whatever. Yes, I have a thing. Let's call it alcoholism. I know that it's my thing now. <laughs> like it's, there's no doubt about it. And if we want to call it alcoholism, if that it's like, I needed to believe that. And that was just fine for me. Yeah. And I thought, I mean, the striking thing was that I felt like I was tiptoeing around a lot of this stuff, right? Do, I don't know if you remember this, but in August of 2014, late August, 2014, very shortly after we became friends, I posted this thing and it was called like five things I'm afraid to admit. And it was the first time I came out with it because I was afraid to tell people like I was afraid to out myself as a non-AA person, like to a certain degree. Do you remember that? Yes. I very, very, very distinctly remember it. And I put like, I still like one of the things I put in there that like I was, I'm afraid to admit, I was like, I still go to bars guys because that was one mm. of the things that was like one of the crimes. Don't go to the place where it happened. That's yeah. just asking. New yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, um, and so I was like, one like things I'm afraid to admit, uh, you guys, I, you know, go to bars still and I stay out until like 2am with drunk people. And, yeah. um, and so I wrote this list, and the five things was, number one, I'm not an addict. Number two, I do not miss alcohol, nor do I struggle when I'm around it, and I never have. I'm indifferent. Number three, I mean, like, I kept wine in my house when I got sober um, yeah. for friends. Oh, my God. You guys yeah. don't do that. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still cool. I'll serve you drinks. Don't worry. Oh, oh. The I know. things we do. To I know. I know. I did it. I, I, did, I did it too. I know. Uh, number three, I did not work the 12 steps, nor do I ever plan to. Number four, I am not afraid of relapse. And number five, I am not in perpetual recovery because of alcohol or drugs. I'm in perpetual, petrol, perpetual recovery to be my best self. So I remember when I wrote this, I was like, you. I mean, the funny thing about this is that you gave me the courage to post this do you know like this is like where this is why I couldn't figure you out because this was this is the opposite of your code you know what I mean I can't be around it like I can't like I'm not indifferent to it I miss it I am a fucking alcoholic Holly and um like I'm like terrified I mean like the relapse thing was real to you and recovery you know what I mean all these things were like the antithesis of your belief system and I would talk to you about them and you and 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 I didn't give you the same grace. Do you know what I mean? I would want to argue about why you were calling yourself an alcoholic. Um, yeah. But you would be like, that's great. I support that, you know. And you could listen to me say it and it wouldn't de- it wouldn't destruct you. You yeah. would say, I can't believe these things. But right. I also, like, am not threatened by you believing them. And that was just such a weird thing. It is weird. and it, But it's it's a weird thing. And I think – I don't even know how to explain it other than it was, I think I have, I think that's one of my, I'm just going to, I think it's one of my best qualities overall. It is. is. Ability to hold lots, is to hold competing truths. Yeah. It's It's amazing. I was, I was, I've never, I've never been so, I mean, it's the thing that continuously, it's why I love, it's why I always love go, like going, I, I I know I, I need your opinion on something, even if you don't agree with it, <laughs> you'll support me and you'll be able to have a conversation with me that's not completely like just bathed in your fucking opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's, um, and it, like, I'm not just like 
say this phrase, like smile fucking you. I'm not like I had no reason to do that. I mean, we didn't owe each other anything. You know, I could have just been like, fuck that and fuck her. But I but I didn't feel that way. Like I really did see your I did see you and I and I did value it. And I oh, and I always have and I always will, you know, so I don't know. I don't know how to explain that other than I I just kind of am that way with with things. And, and for the, for me. Um, and for what I, what I want to say in this more than anything, I think to anyone is like every belief needs to be tested by the fire of your own experience Mm. and, and that you're allowed to do that. You're allowed, not only are you allowed to, I think it's a responsibility that we all have to do that because otherwise the things that we're saying it's very easy to like create a meme and like put it out there and have a truth bomb and all of that. And I've done plenty (laughs) of that bullshit too, but there's something very different about learned experience. And at that point when we had met, I, I both bought into what I heard in those meetings and in those rooms as being true enough for me And I was humbled enough, there's that word, but I was humbled enough by my own experience of trying to find a third door, trying to intellectualize or um, intellectualize my way through to sobriety or, um, you know, rely on my willpower or my... um, the things I knew in all the books and all the things basically that had gotten me through to that point in my life. I, I had applied all of that and it didn't get me. It, 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 it was part of the process, but it, it ultimately wasn't what I could, you know, didn't keep, it didn't keep me sober. It, it got me sobriety, it, but I couldn't stay sober on all of that. And what could you say sober on? It was a combination of that, but also like a surrendering to this mystery of like, I knew a lot, but I also didn't know a lot. And I had to be open to this idea that it would be revealed to me, like I would be shown how to do it by doing it. And so there's a big element of things I did not know. And it was being able to like use what I could do, use my my tremendous willpower and and my knowledge, um, and all these ways that I wanted to make this this very complex thing. But also, I, I mean, ultimately, you know this. What what I had to like the the ground zero where I always had to come back to was this don't fucking drink anymore. Like it had to be that tight and simple for me. And I got that in AA. Like if you want to get, if you want to not drink anymore, that's a place you can go. (laughs) And you can, if you attach to nothing else, like there's that for you. Right. Right. And that was enough. That was like my point A. And a gave, gave me a place to just return to over and over and over again to be like, this is your point A. 
And I think what's so interesting and like coming back to like our different personality types and what you just said, what your what your strongest what one of your strengths is, right? Is your ability to is your ability to confront different things and not be resistant to it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that also like I want to say that's such a huge advantage in going to AA. Like I think yeah, that that you have is, to be able to. I think right. We- yeah. Right. And which is why I think that there are some of us that don't have that uh, the grace that you have or, you know, that just are like, I'm just not made that way. I have never made, been made that way. I like I am. I reject authority. Like, like, in right. every- and thank God you aren't that way. Like you would you would sometimes say like, like, ah, I just can't, you know, and I'm like, but that's the good thing. Like, thank God you couldn't do that, Holly. <laughs> thank God you couldn't. Because all of this wouldn't have happened, you know, all the things you've created would not have been created. Thank God you couldn't just sit there. Right. And I, and I couldn't, sometimes I could just sit there. Thank God I, I, I could could. just sit there. Right. Um, and that I can still sit there and have this other conversation. Like we could have a conversation. It's so crazy. Can you believe that we found each other? I can't. I mean, I couldn't believe when we first started having these conversations. I just could not believe that we actually. I couldn't believe that I could. I mean, I was. I was. I feel like I'm. I was the the luckiest one in our in our you know mashup. <laughs> Because I got to have these very – no, I did. But I did, like, ha- get to have these very strong and crazy opinions. And then also they were met with somebody that was in the program. And and also you were encouraging me to pursue them. Mm-hmm. So let's – okay, let's get back to this. So when you and I met then, you were – you hadn't started working the steps yet, but you were going to pizza with these people at this point, which yeah. to me is like marriage. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, like, sold on this being the way. Is that right? Like, you you hadn't started working the steps yet, but you were much different than you, you know, a year had gone by. Like, explain to me, and you were, go- like, this was part of your life. Like, this was, these were the people you hung out with. Your friends were from AA. Correct? Yeah. But more or less, I mean, I, I don't know that I can ever really say, like, I... I drank all the Kool-Aid, but I was like, this is the thing I'm doing and it's giving me enough traction and I'm meeting, I, it was enough. Yeah, it was enough. I was in. Okay. And so what does being in look like for you at this time? So I was, I was going to meetings pretty consistently. I had met enough people that I felt like I had a little bit of a group, you know, or at least I had enough people in my phone that I could text or call or that I actually started to know that I felt like there was a, um, there was some, there was a connection, you know, a a growing connection to this world. I was dating someone that part was sort of happening too. Right. And yeah. And I was going to a regular Saturday night meeting, like up in my town, I had become like the chip girl. I was involved. And um, and yet I still had, you know, a lot I had resistance. Like, for example, a big, big part of my resistance was I went on this um this like full weekend relay race, running, relay running race on the Cape. 
it was always sober people. We got into like two large vans and you basically camp out and run through the whole uh, weekend. Right. And I'd never done anything like that before with sober people, people for an entire weekend, like never would have even imagined to do that. And I, I, um, it was great, but it was also like, I was in a van and, and I felt like there was this theme of like everything. And this is how I felt a lot. Like everything that we were talking about, everything is seen through the lens of being sober naturally, but it was almost, almost like an, Oh, it was an overdone thing. Like, Oh, I, I can't do anything in moderation. Cause I'm, you know, I'm an well, addict. Alcoholism right? becomes the explanation for you as for, an individual and everything that you do. Right. Yeah. right. And I felt, and I felt so, I was just like, Oh, I just, no, you're not doing that because you're an alcoholic. You're, we're all doing so much of this shit because we're human. And I always felt that way. You know, like that, that never, I, I never explained, I never bought into explaining. That was your alcoholic tendency. No, I, I firmly rejected that. I hated it. Yeah. And, and yet it was like, okay, I still, I, that's how I'm going to feel. I'm not going to like battle people about it. I found people that thought like I did, you know, and, and we talked about those things, but by and large, I just, there's this saying, you know, take what you want and leave the rest. And I, that was kind of the way I went about it. Right. And that worked for me. And, and you, know, you are fully bought in at this point to the fact that you're an alcoholic. Is that right? Like you call yourself an alcoholic. I only would call myself an alcoholic in meetings because I identified. I would never like I had, I would have people ask me like I'll never forget, you know, someone asked me like this guy I was talking to on Tinder or something if I was an alcoholic and I was like I don't even understand that question. Like that's such a stupid question and I and I couldn't explain why though. It's like does it matter? I don't even know. So, yes, I felt like there's something about me that is different when it comes to alcohol than somebody else. Like I would always think of my ex-husband. He didn't care about it. He can drink and he didn't care Mm -hmm. whether he was going to have the rest of his beer. I always fucking cared. So yes, I saw that there was a difference. I never like, whenever the word alcoholic left my mouth in a meeting, it was like this, I didn't really love it, but it was just like, I'm just going to say it because it counts me into this meeting and whatever. But you and I had conversations about this and I feel like you said you needed to, like my recollection of this is that you needed to know what you were, right? Yeah. Yeah. And was, so, but was that, and I feel like that was also that you saying you were an alcoholic. Yeah. I, yes, I guess I've always I I did need to <clears throat> accept, and I, I still do on some level, that I have a thing with alcohol. And alcoholic is like the word that was used, it's used in meetings, right? It's the program, Alcoholics Anonymous. So, I mean, honestly, I don't remember if I was like attached to the word. And 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 I know I, know I never fully accepted the label, like it never sat very well with me. But the thing that it means about me when it comes to like drinking specifically, not to all the character defects and blah, blah, blah. When it comes to drinking, yes, I needed to remember that and I needed to believe that. And I and I definitely was the kind of person who 
if I didn't put my pla- put myself in a place to remember that and talk about it very regularly, I would it felt like it would slip away from me and I would forget because that's what I had done for a year and a half. I would get really comfortable in this idea that I could like just do this myself and it could be my way and all of that. And I would end up drinking again. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, yeah. So when I wrote that piece, so this is another point I want to bring up. When when I wrote that piece in, um, I want to say it's December 2014 for mm-hmm. maybe four months after we were friends. I wrote it. It was called, my, hi, my name is Holly. I'm not an alcoholic because there's no such thing. Mm-hmm. And I sent it to you and I asked you to read it. And then you called me and your words were, I want to hate this so badly. <laughs> um, but I, but it's so good. So I want you to explain to me what that means um, and what and how you receive that. Because when I sent it to you, what I felt like I was doing was taking away your truth. Mm-hmm. And that was my concern about putting something like that out into the world because I didn't want to steal anybody's truth. But I right. also just felt like it was just such a, you know, like it was the the thing that like needed to be. You had also, and to be, to be fair, you had also just recently said, <clears throat> told me I needed to, to read um, not Jason Vale's book, but um, Craig Beck, uh, Alcohol yeah. Lied to Me. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, there was like this, you know, so I just, I guess I'm just Which wondering- is a very, just to tell everybody, is a very like non-AA approach. To- Craig, Jason Vale, Craig Beck, and Alan Carr are the OGs in this space. Yeah. Like they <laughs> yes. are the first ones, and I think they're all British- They they are are. the first ones that had this idea that there is no such disease as alcoholism and that nobody should be drinking alcohol and that it's a drug and that it's been completely, you know, whatever. And then the newer proponents of this idea, uh, Annie Grace and myself, I think, are the first, like, two Americans that have, like, put it out in any sort of – Annie Grace has written the book, uh, Control – like, uh, This Naked Mind – Um, And she published in like 2015 and she's brilliant. We've had her on the show. Um, Mm -hmm. But this was like what my my philosophy was not um, was not it was completely taken from Alan. Like it was born of of what of my first book that I read on addiction. My first you know, your first book is like Carolyn Knapp, you know, Uh and my first Uh book is Alan Carr. And that shapes, I think, a lot of it. Um, I know. But I guess like I'm just curious. Well, okay. So I, I, I wanted to hate it because it's scare. It was, it felt a little threatening to me. I mean, a lot of what you're saying was very counter to what I felt like I needed to believe or what I didn't believe, I guess, on some level. Right. And, and yet I listened to you and I heard what you were saying and I could see that as being true too. Mm-hmm. and valuable. And, and so again, I like, I held both of those things, you know, it wasn't, I, I wasn't, I didn't need you to be wrong so I could be right, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like I could see both things as being true. Mm-hmm. And I, so my journey has so much been allowing myself to have the space to explore 
all of these things. Mm-hmm. And and knowing that it's okay to feel competing truths. It's okay to feel like I just had to have the one bottom line for me for mm-hmm. a while that I wasn't going to drink, period. Mm-hmm. That was the, the only rule <laughs> I had to have. I wasn't going to let myself do that anymore. That's right. And, and beyond that, I, the path could be really wide. And I, as a person, always need a wide path. I respond well. I respond the best to that. It's what I want other people to give me because I want it, you know, I want, I want to be able to have one too. Yeah. So, um, and you want to, you mean you want to, it's what you want to always be able to give other people so you can have it as well. I guess. So wait, I can have it. Right? right. So I guess, okay. So then let's go through, let's, so let's move to, there's a point where you are working the steps. I want to say it's about a year yeah. ago. There's a point Yep. You have a sponsors coming over to your house on the weekends or whatnot. You're actually involved. You're like, I'm doing it. I'm going after the steps. The last time I heard from you on this is step four. Mm-hmm. And then now, and then all of a sudden in the last month, you start posting things that sound not like somebody that's working the steps and not like somebody that's going to AA. You also kind of stop going to AA meetings mm-hmm. on the reg. I don't hear about the pizza parties. Um, this is a yeah, very okay. so silent – the- Oh, no, oh, hold yeah. on, hold on. Okay. So this is a very – like, this is – let me just set this up to you from what this looks like as one of your friends because you and I do not talk about AA on the phone every day, you know? Like, it's just not – And all, AA was also just kind of this thing. It wasn't like – it's not like how you talk about the, the newest book you're reading and it's – you know what I mean? Like, there's things you're emphatic about that you talk about – and from my perspective, like you were super into the steps when that was going on. It was like a big deal. You were doing this thing, right? And then all of a sudden, we're not really talking about it. And I'm not catching you out with your AA friends. And you are skipping meetings. <laughs> you never had to catch me, though. I would, you'd be like, what are you doing? Like, I just went to a meeting. You're like, awesome. And then we start talking about No, 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 no. I'm just saying it's like, like this is, we share everything. Like, I, right, like, down right. to, like, the, you know, like, the thickness of our menstrual blood, you know? Like, <laughs> we talk about every detail. This has always been this thing that's just, like, in the, it's, like, on loop in the background. And then, so, like, I'm giving, I'm painting a picture here, and I want you to describe it. Like, I want you to talk about it. But we go from this point where somewhere along the way, you are the chip girl, or you're the secretary, you're part of this meeting, you're going regularly, there's, you know, you go through depression, and you're like, I need to get back into the meetings, like, you start Mm -hmm. working the steps, and then there's this, you know, kind of like the Mm -hmm. underpants gnomes from South Park, there's, like, phase two, right and like and then phase three is you are now writing article like I write that piece on ego deflation and humility and like Mm -hmm. it's the thing that you're the most supportive of in a long Mm -hmm. time and Mm -hmm. it's very counter AA and Mm -hmm. like or counterintuitive to a lot of the philosophy in AA and then also you write um you start writing narratives on your like on your timeline and and also uh things like before remember when Ann Dow said remember when she said she lost her drinking privilege and we had a difference of opinion about that because like I was like I don't get when we interviewed her this is one of the things I was like I feel like 
we are exactly the kind of people that need to be talking about why people shouldn't drink. And you mm-hmm. and I were not aligned on that, right? Like that was a very big difference. Like you, yeah. like Anne, Anne was like, I feel like I've lost my, I, who am I to say this thing because of this? And then you write this piece that has now gotten probably 200,000 mm-hmm. hits. And it's about, it's a girl who can't drink anymore who's telling people they shouldn't drink, right? Or who's talking about it. So, like, yeah. you're now, you know what I mean? Like, I want to know mm-hmm. what phase two looks like. Like, I don't, like, it is a very, because, and also, oh, and by the way, you're still on this podcast. Like, we're still saying, like, you are the, you know, you are the Dr. Drew and Adam, you know, and I'm the Adam, you know, like, we're like, <laughs> the, the you two, doing it? Right. 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 So, right. what happened? And why are you now, like, where are you now with AA? I know you're not going to meetings regularly. Um, I know you're also like really resistant to like, you're over a lot of like, like we have conversations, right. You are over a lot of the rhetoric. You're like, you are now like rubbed by it. Like, Mm -hmm. whereas before it was like, whatever you are now like, oh my God, like you are over the rhetoric and you're over the pigeonholing and you're over the fear-based stuff and you're, you know, like, so yeah, like what I said to that guy. Yeah. Well, and not just that guy, but like this is a thing. Like this is a thing, right? And I yeah. had said, like, this is why we're doing the show because I was like, you're changed. <laughs> like you have actually changed a lot, and people aren't caught up to that. Like there, are, yeah. there is a huge divide between what you introduced yourself as and what's going on now, and you haven't talked about it. So, yeah. what's happened? Yes. So what's happened? So. You know, this has been, yeah, it's been very individual and slow and private um, and sometimes even unconscious to myself, you know, um, just like a, a byproduct of living your life. So I started to do the steps. I had like a women's um, big book study that started last year and I remember sitting in those, we'd go through the the big book and I remember sitting in those meetings and kind of thinking as we were having conversations and people would chime in, like just feeling my body reject certain things that were being said before I even like my mind was, I would just feel my body reject, reject certain things like um, this is the way, like any statement like that, this is the way we have found the way because my life, my work now is I, I, I know a ton of people who it is not their way, you being one of them, but more just people that are in our groups, people that write me, I, people I meet up with in my retreats and my workshops that I talk to and I hear and I see and I understand what their process is and has been and that it isn't the only way, you know, it's just period. So any sort of talk about that or this like protectionism, I don't know if that's even a word of the program or this needing to hold this program as holy and sacred. And um, there was this one discussion in one of these meetings that I had about it 
like this has been from the beginning of a very fundamental argument that I have. Okay. We believe it's a disease. AA, in NAA, it is understood as a disease. With a spiritual yes. solution. Y- yes. But um, so it's a disease. Okay. If we believe it's a disease and we compare it like to other diseases, mm-hmm. then it, it's a disease. But, but, this is the only disease that can be handled by God. Only. Like God's mm-hmm. God's the one who got the, who has the answer to this and it's in these pages in this book that was written in 1935. Period. So and it and do we believe that about any other disease? No, we do not. Because that's crazy. And yet we we are unwilling, and I say this as a collective we. There are people who don't feel this way and people who very much do. But as a collective, we believe that this is the way. I just, no, like my, my mind rejects that. My body rejects that, more importantly. So I'd be sitting there having these conversations and it's like, I see the value of communing with other women, other people who have the similar experience, but I start to get this feeling like I'm staying stuck. Like my experience of this thing that I have is, and my experience of growing through it and living with it is very different than how it's being described in this group. Explain. I don't. Okay. So I, I start to get the sense that the usefulness of reiterating and rehashing my past is not valuable. It's, it starts to feel like drag. Like not like. it didn't always feel that way. No, it did not. It was very necessary for me to do that. And I think this has everything to do with the grief process for me. I needed to grieve the fuck out of this loss for me. I needed to talk about it. I needed to circle around it. I needed to look at it. I needed to stare at it. I needed to sit in my grief. And I needed to feel it all the way. And I needed to examine it. And I needed to turn over every stone and every relationship and every facet of that grief for as long as I needed to. And AA was a really good place to do that. Yeah. And then I started to not need to do that so much because that's how a grief process goes, right? You start to like take steps forward and out of it and you you don't you don't forget it you don't disregard it you don't pretend like it never happened that's not what this is about it's more i don't need to carry that big heavy stone in my pocket every single day and revisit it and retell the story i can like leave it on my window <laughs> when mm-hmm. i go out into the world leave it on my windowsill, walk out and go into the world Mm -hmm. and nothing is lost. And that, and there's an element 
that's very real. And I, I can feel people all over the place. Their backs are going up, right? Hearing me talk about this. I, there's a very real thing. It's, it's said in meetings. My addiction is out there in the parking lot, push, doing push-ups, waiting for me to forget, to slip. And there is a very real fear that's instilled in the meetings that if you don't show up here, you don't come, you don't work your program, you're going to get drunk and you're going to die or something. Right. And to me, okay, so there's that. And yet I'm traveling all over the country. I'm... My life is starting to feel really big and not in just the outward ways. Like it's big inside and I'm not going to meetings and I'm not feeling like I want, I'm not, I'm very paying very close attention to myself. I don't feel like drinking. I'm thinking of it less or sometimes not at all. I'm, more feeling more connected to God than I've ever felt. And yet, so, so, okay. So there's this like experiment that's always going on in me, you know, am I okay? Am I fooling myself? Am I, am I, is this, is this what's happening? Slowly I'm slipping away from it. And I, and I, test that by the fire of my own experience and I say no Laura you're not (laughs) you're not and slowly and then and then I start to I went to a couple meetings you know I I probably went through a two-month period where I didn't go to a meeting but I'm still talking I still have lots of friends in AA I still talk to my sponsor uh and I go to a meeting and I sit there and I just feel like no Mm mm-mm what is it? Like, what exactly is it that you're saying no to? I'm saying no to, I don't, because I'm, 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 I stay curious, right? I'm always staying curious to what is happening. And I'm just sitting there and going, I don't, I don't want to be here. This isn't like, this isn't, in, this doesn't feel expansive. This feels very restrictive. Right. And I don't, and there's this fear. Anybody who who sort of rejects, I don't know, any tradition, any sort of tribe, right? There's a fear that comes along with that. And especially with AA, because you are told that if you're rejecting it, you're deluded. Like that's, that's your disease talking. And you're going to, it's just a matter of fucking time right. before you fall. Right. So there's this very real fear. Right. And yet I'm testing it by the fire of my own experience. And I'm asking myself these questions a lot. And I, I start to build a fundamental basic trust in my own judgment and my own process. And I bounce these ideas off people. I mean, you and I, you know, even if we're not directly talking about this, we're talking about my life. We're talking about my mental health. We're talking about what's going on with me. I'm still, you know, I'm still, I'm doing the things I learned to do largely in AA through people in AA, which is to tell the truth, right? Right. right. I'm, 
doing that. And I, so I'm not disconnected from a recovery process. Well, I wouldn't say that even, like, you're not not even close based on, I mean, your line of work. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, but that's important. You know, I'm not disconnected from, like, like, I'm going to therapy. I, I pay very close attention to what is going on with me. And I have, I have put a lot of people in my life who can honestly and accurately reflect what's going on with me if I don't know. (laughs) And, but the, but, but this is a process over three years, right? I'm slowly starting Yes, I care about what you have to say about my life. I care about what Meadow has to say about my life. I care about what I listened a little bit to my parents. I have other people from whose opinion I value greatly. But part of what I wrote about in my thousand days of sobriety is that no one, I will never make anyone my God anymore. Yeah. No human gets to be my God. No program gets to be my God. AA is not my God. And that's, that's sort of where I arrived. And, you know, it's, I'm writing about this a lot, because there's obviously a ton of like nuance, and there's a process. But that's, 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 you know, where I land, and I slowly start to slip away from it. And, and, and I, it's not that I sit there and I'm, oh, okay. Then the other piece of this is, yes, I start to, like, I get, there was a huge, huge, huge turning point for me when I got the email that prompted this, the the post, um, what was the name of my post? The one that, uh, where the woman asked me if she needed to quit drinking because it, wondering if she's an alcoholic. Um, isn't it? Oh God. It's like some, I think it's like, am I an alcoholic? Are you an alcoholic alcoholic or am I an alcoholic? So I get this email from this woman and she's saying, you know, she, she randomly gave up drinking for Lent and she felt really great. And she's wondering if, because it was so easy for her to quit, she had, she could possibly be an alcoholic with the, with the implied question, do I have to give up drinking if I'm not an alcoholic? And I just, my brain like just exploded all at yeah. once, like all, everything that had, that had led up to that moment <laughs> yes. was like, this is the wrong motherfucking question. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. And I wrote that piece. And it and yes, and it sounds a lot like things that you had been saying, but it's also born of the my own experience of, right. you know, go, you know, it is and it isn't. Right. It's mine. Right. And. So, yeah, I, I, I just, then it, it, and then it just kind of has blown wide open, right? I start to see a lot of people asking that same question. And when I post certain things, I hear responses from people that are very, that are, it's almost like you say anything about addiction or, or drink, you know, and, and you get this like vomit of aphorisms from AA, from people in a, and this is not every inclusive of everybody, oh, but it's but a it's lot. exhausting. I it's know exhausting because it's, it's like the shit I get the hey, most on mine. Like, are it's, you ugh. hearing what you're actually saying? What you're saying has nothing to fucking do. And with can what you I explain? Can you just give me like a couple of them, um, a couple samples? Yes. Okay. So, um, 
the guy that wrote, I mean, he said, you know, I need to remember that I have a disease. Uh, it, it, it will be like, this is like a laundry list of things that people could say, um, by, by grace alone, or it works if you work it, um, one day at a time, um, uh, on an, I, I, my brain's like kind of fried, but it's like this, this, which all individually are not bad statements. No, but but let's talk about what they're there. I think they're like all profoundly true. I just think that there is an autopilot factor where it's a knee jerk response. Like there's like there that we can't like that. This is the thing that bothers me the most. Cause I said, I wrote a post one time and I just said no slogans or or what and no AA slogans like I like right. on my like things that are I wrote a thing that said that what's not what is not helpful in response to somebody showing you their pain and I wrote a list of things and then one of them was just like no slogans and no AA slogans or like That's or uh, and and people like <laughs> some people it. didn't like it um but the thing is like it there is this like really there is an emptiness around it when that shit's thrown mm-hmm. at you like when you know like it's just thrown at you so much like it it loses its meaning it's just a like that's not the yes. like that's not helpful. It's not helpful to for somebody to just throw at you a tagline. Oh, it's not only not helpful, it's like insulting and just exhausting because I am talking about yes, there are universal truths and there's some there's some profoundness to some of those statements, many of them, most of them. Sure. And otherwise I'm people talking, don't repeat them. <laughs> right, but if but if that's just true, then why do we bother talking about anything? Yeah. Because th- that we all have, why is it still interesting to write and read and talk and make music about and art about the human experience? Because as universal as, as it is, it's profoundly individual and it deserves to be turned and explored and seen through lots of different views. And we are living in different times and and there are all kinds of there's there yes it it kills the um, the moment where there could be some kind of learning per- and personal interaction right personal interaction and connection like don't right. toss a program at me yes I know all that shit and yet I'm struggling against it and. That, yeah, so so I would put some things up and it's just like, you'd get this like blathering of aphorisms and it just started to go, shut up, shut <laughs> up, shut up. Um, and I, I just, you know, started to more strongly reject it. And I, you know, and then, and, and at the same time, I'm not saying shut up to those people, you know, I'm not. No, like, you are. Let's be honest. Well, yes, I, mean, I am. Yes. <laughs> but, I, but I'm also like. You know, the, there's you're saying active, stop and think, and let's like that's what you're saying, right? Why listen to me? Stop and tell, stop and ask yourself why you're saying that thing right now, right? I never, I just don't. It goes back to that John O'Donoghue thing like, nothing should go unquestioned, right? Don't just, don't just assume this this group you know this group mentality it's dangerous and yeah. it's dangerous right um and very ineffective so so that's it you know I, I i think that's kind of the bottom line of where where i've arrived is 
I, I haven't been going to meetings. I've been to, I went to one meeting last week, um, with, some, with a woman who asked me to, if I would, because she's, she was struggling. And I said, of course. And I went to a meeting and I sat there and I was like, I had the same reaction, you know, but you I, you texted me when you were done and said, yeah, I said, I can't do uh, that anymore. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. And, and yet I, I want to, again to say, you know, like I credit all of that, the people, especially that was my first exposure to sobriety. That was my way in. I had there, I'm still friends with so many people. And, you know, when there was nothing there to receive me, that was there to receive me. And, and I will be unendingly grateful to that. Well, I think that this is like, I think an important thing to kind of, um, I think a really important point to make in this is that um, recovery is a really evolutionary process. We devolve, right? And and this is explained really well in integral recovery, but I just want to talk about it for a minute because I think this is an important concept that people miss. But reco- like addiction devolves you. Like it actually regresses you into more childlike state. Like you become yeah. more selfish. You become like all these things. These are true things. Like you actually, like your, your brain – actually shrinks and 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 you regress um and and devolve and so when you meet uh recovery and some people especially like depending on on you know because it's there's a spectrum there's a spectrum involved yes yes and there is there is a, a thing and you this is something you and i've talked about before where when you meet when you meet that point of entry, some people need more structure than other people. And like, and AA provides this really brilliant structure, Mm. you know, 90 meetings, 90 days, or is it 60 and 60? Is it 90 and 90? Yeah. Whatever. 90 and 90. And and Veronica Valley, I think like captures this, right? It's like, it's a beautiful structure. Right. But it's, but it's also a structure and it like mimics this idea that after like in, in like, like when, when religion, when organized religion over like deities, when one deity was, 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 um, was presented and then there was this organized religion and structure that went around this and this ritual, um, like this also shaped, like this really like changed and influenced the world. And, and there's this, like it's called spiral dynamics. There's a much longer yeah. explanation around yeah. it. But the idea is really simple in that um, when you are devolved to a certain level, there is a certain place where you need to meet a certain amount of structure. And that structure means you don't have to think much you yes. don't have, it's like, it catches you and it tells you to do these things and you start doing these things and that allows you to do what? It allows you to evolve. And so yep. that, that it should never really hold true. And it will for some people, like it just will for some people, but honestly, it shouldn't as uh, humans are not meant to evolve a little and then stagnate. And mm-hmm. I think that there is a potential within a program that asks you to do the same thing over and over and over and the sit within the life. same structure, right. right? Like you don't have a need, like those meetings saved your life. Those meetings are no longer saving your lives. There's a higher order of things that are saving your life these days, right? Mm-hmm. There's different yep. things that you have as you have changed and evolved because of this 
framework and this structure, you're able to create even, you know, different structures to catch you and that evolve and actually meet you where you're at at this time in your life. And so I think that this is like a really important piece, but this is also something that I think like you can see, and I don't know how to say this, but I'm just going to come out and say, you can see some people that, you know, over, you know, 20 something years, it just, it's like, um, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that I always wonder about, um, if that's really evolutionary, if, if, and maybe it is, or maybe that's what that specific person just needs, or maybe it just works for that specific person. But there is a, like a, you know, doing the same thing for 25 years and expecting it to provide, you know, like an evolutionary path Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make sense to me. Um, and I think like for you, what I look at and see is that and and like it makes sense to someone else? That's fine. Doesn't make sense to me. And for you, it's like this. It it is like exactly that. As in, you have evolved and changed, and now um, it's kind of onto the next thing. And it supported you when you needed it in the way that you needed it to support you. Yes, that's very very well said. I will I will add to this in the places that you said. You know, maybe you don't see. I, okay. The, there are the very basic principles of AA, like Veronica Valley said it very well, could, could be the foundation for a lifetime of growth and curiosity and exploration, um, just like the yogic path could in some ways. Sure. But that is dependent, you know, A is a self-run organization. It's dependent on the people that are in it. And the experience varies greatly. I think if you're, you know, in a major metropolitan area or city, like I was going to meetings in Boston still, or, you know, I lived in New York or whatever, um, or who knows, you could be anywhere. But if the people are in there that that are willing to uh, and able to hold that space and grow that way and continue to grow that way, I think there's, there's a possibility that it could, it could evolve and continue to evolve in a way that supports forever growth. Right. Uh, that then, and there are groups where it's just, that is just not the case. You know, I've been to those meetings and it's like, God, I don't want to be doing this for another week. You know, I don't ever want to go back to this conversation. It's the same one I had two years ago. Yeah. And I don't, frankly, it's usefulness is worn off for me. I don't need it anymore. And, um, and that's okay too. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. And, and I, again, like, well, I don't even want to add to that. I think that's just, you said it very well. Yeah. (sighs) I know this is very, it's, this feels very good and super, important and so I my last question for you is are you an alcoholic uh no I I don't I I I kind of want to do away with that word uh I don't kind of I I really want to do away with that word what I believe what I believe is um there is and and I I'm with you. I argue that there are reasons to that that I could believe it's a disease or that that makes sense of it as a disease. And there there are reasons that don't make sense to me at all. So if we're saying alcoholism is, alcoholism is a disease and I have it, um, I don't know. I, I shouldn't even say no. I just don't know. 
I don't know what that really means. What I do know is that I, I, alcohol doesn't, it does a thing to me that I, that is very deleterious and I never want to experience again. Mm-hmm. I know that there is something, whether it's genetic or whatever, it doesn't even, I don't even care <laughs> <laughs> that there's something in me that is different than say my ex-husband. I don't, I don't know why that I will continue to be curious about why, but it just is that it's different for me than it is for him with drinking. And I accept that fully. Um, that's kind of where it ends for me. You know, I'll st- I, I'm, I will forever stay curious about this thing. Um, I don't feel like I walk around with a chronic debilitating <laughs> illness <laughs> at all. But I, I just, yeah, I, I guess the answer to that, this is soup sounds super flippant, but I just don't care. Yeah. So if somebody were to say, are you an alcoholic, what would you say? If a guy on Tinder right now sent you a message and said, are you an alcoholic? Because this I, was just a few months ago, by the way. When, it was when a few he, months ago. He said that. Yeah. He was like, you you said you don't drink. And he said, oh, my oh, God, are you an alcoholic? Are you an alcoholic? And he's a yeah. doctor. This is a fucking doctor. Yeah. So what are your, what's your response? I don't know. What did you respond to him? I, I didn't answer the question. I said, I, I don't, I hate that word. I, I don't mess with alcohol. That's all I know. I, I wish I had a better answer than that, but that's just all that I have right now. I don't know. And it's, it's not some delusion about, it's not, I, I have zero hope or want to, to like figure out a way to drink ever again. Right. I don't, there's no hope that I'm not or hope that I am. I just don't, I don't know that it exists. So I guess, I don't think we know what it is. <laughs> I think I that don't. there's, no, I think there's a good enough explanation to be able to draw certain conclusions. I mean, it's everything. Well, it's biopsych. I mean, a, yeah, I think, may I, think, I <laughs> may I finish what I was saying? <laughs> Can I finish what I was saying? Yeah. Okay. It's, um, there's like, there are like, there are really great ways of looking at it, but it is like, there's a, there's something called like a biosocial, um, biopsychosocial map. And it just explains like all of the different conditions that come together, right. To cause one to want to escape. Right. And this is consistent Mm -hmm. throughout the human condition, you know, and this is like, this is, this is genetics. This is like how you were raised, whatever traumas that you faced at, at an early age, there is who you hung out with, what your parents, did what was modeled to you um there's the age that you started partaking in whatever activity it is and i'm talking about all things not just talking about drinking you know there is the amount of poverty that you face there's um there is uh the amount of disenfranchisement like there's actually like this bolus of stuff that contributes to how comfortable and your coping mechanisms and how comfortable you are in your body and then there's also a a thing like you introduce different things right and so everybody escapes right so you introduce different things into it 
it and then there's a good fit. And for us, it's alcohol. Like for me, it was alcohol, pot, cigarettes. Those are really things that worked really well for me. Cocaine did not work for me. Um, yep. Hallucinogenics didn't work for me. Um, you know, like uh, like there was just like a perfect fit and then you use it. It helps you temporarily cope with the stuff underneath that's causing you the need to escape. You do it more and more and it starts to bring the brain and actually just affect the brain and it changes the way that we think based on our dopamine like our, our dopamine dopamine response and and also our brain starts to alter around that and we and it's reinforced our survival instinct reinforces the use of this and it starts trumping every other instinct and then we get into mm-hmm. and then it worsens all the reasons we need to escape in the in in the first place and so this is why i don't like i'm not like on the fence of whether or not it's a disease because of um you know because i just don't like get it or because whatever i think that i'm on the fence of whether or not it's a disease based on whether or not learning a, like how we learn and how our brain learns is considered a disease or not yeah. and i think that like there is benefits to calling it a disease like the benefit of calling it a disease is medicalization and your insurance coverage pays for it and it's actually recognized by other people like the same way we recognize cancer aids uh, hepatitis uh you know like diabetes but um the flip of that is saying is also the self-determination factor which is oh i have a disease i'm just sick I'm just fucked. I can't do anything about this disease. I'm helpless because of this disease. She's got a disease and it's a chronic relapsing lifetime fucking thing. So (sighs) there is like, there is between like, like to be clear, there is like enough stuff to point to this to date and it's not Jelinex fucking you know study from the 50s and why the American Medical Association picked it up as a diagnosable thing right it's a much more like we understand people don't talk about it but we do understand a lot more how addiction works so you Mm -hmm. and I found alcohol your ex-husband didn't find alcohol but I guarantee you that your husband has some other shit going on you know and some other thing that is reinforced and helping him deal with his bolus of shit that needs him to extend outside of himself so mm-hmm. I think that it's like one of these things, but alcohol, when we are talking about alcohol, because we have found a group of people that are willing to accept like this label and this sickness, and we have, you know, a whole other group of people that want to keep drinking, we forced upon this very small po- population this idea that there is something wrong with them because they can't tolerate alcohol, right? Like I yeah. think there's like this whole other thing to it, but yes. So I just wanted to like throw that no, in there I mean, because it's that, an important so point. Yeah, I'm so glad you did that. I mean, and this is your work, right? This is you, I thank God you're doing the, you are, thank God you rejected it. Thank God you're doing the work you're doing. Thank God you're as smart as you are. Thank God you want to, to understand it and you're plowing the way, you know, I, yes, I would nod to every single thing you said. My my, I feel like I'm having a conversation about politics with my dad or something, not in like, not really, but I feel like, <laughs> like there's some certain things where we, I would just say to him, I don't know. And and he's like, <laughs> and he would be like, I know you don't know. Like as this like really dick. No, like, I'm not and, saying it to be a oh, dick. No, no, no. I'm You're saying not. it to make I sure know. that, that like, like if we're talking about it, that like there is at least like an equalized playing field. Like I'm not saying, well, let me school you on it. I'm saying like, 
no, there is actually a lot more explanation around. It is not like some up in the air thing. Like we don't know. There is a lot more concrete evidence that helps point us in the direction of of what it actually is. A lot more than, you know, like like this is written in the 30s and and like in the 50s is when they introduced the concept of like actually like a disease, like a medical like a medical disease, but between then, you know, and this is like the mainstay in the in this organization is this this, this belief, right? To to holding on to to principles introduced in the late 30s and also principles that are introduced in the 50s. But between the 50, you know, we've now got 70 years of science on our side and human yeah. experience and human evolution. You know, like we've been through, you know, like like how many other things? Like they were still lobotomizing yeah. mental men, the mentally ill, like like actual like like sticking like drilling holes in people's heads who had some form of mental illness in like all the way up through the 50s right so at the same time that this concept of the disease was anyway so i just want to point out there's like actually information like there is there is a, a like concrete bed of evidence about whether or yes. not it's a disease and it's just and you- so yeah, and you uh, and what I I know you weren't saying. I'm, not, like, I'm sorry. But, I just don't want to be like your dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, no. It's more. It's more me. It, this is like a positive thing because it's more me saying, like I don't, I don't know, and I don't, and right now for me, I don't need to know to to like validate my path. I don't need to know to like it's a, it's an area where I will remain curious and I want to know everything, but I also like, it isn't, it isn't totally my wheelhouse and I'm cool with that. Like that's your wheelhouse. And I, and I thank God. And I, and I want to like, I want the benefit of you (laughs) doing all that work. And I, and I, you know, my, my sort of wheelhouse has been to really deeply explore the individual emotional process of this and yeah. spiritual process of it and yeah. everything that we've been talking about. And yeah. that's where, that's what I, where I play and I, you know, and that's mine and uh, mine for me, you know? Yeah. So yeah, no, it wasn't that I'm saying at all that I'm saying, it. <laughs> I think you're, you're <laughs> sitting there schooling me. It's more just like, I feel like I'm having this conversation and that conversation used to scare me or made me feel like less than. And now I'm like, right. oh, thank God. You're yeah. not it's not your thing, right? And your thing is something no. like your thing is what we just had a very long conversation about. Right. Um, I have a little girl. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's been two this hours. Is, been oh my god, it's been hours. no, no, no. It has. It's been three hours. Oh we, my god, it's ten a.m. Oh my god, this was so good, and so I, I'm so glad we did it. Yeah. Well, get on I with your day. You. I love you too. This is so good, and I'm excited for it. And um, well done, by the way. This is a hard conversation for you to have. And like all things in this, you do such a good job of like, you just do such a good job of not like, you know, like of just being able to deliver such a, I want to say like, it's not unbiased because we all have our filters, but it feels so deeply unbiased to a certain degree. Like you're able to see things in a way that I think a lot of people can't, which makes for a just like remarkable, you know, it makes you, it makes your work what your work is. Like, and and you, what you are and and your ability to talk to people and share stuff with people. It's just, you've always made me feel really comfortable even when our opinions were really different. And I hope that this comes across. I know it will. Thanks, babe. Thank you. It means a lot. Yeah. Well, I love you. Good job. Have fun in Maine. Okay. Bye. Bye.